you turn in your copy of God's Word to Revelation chapter 21, I want to read a couple of verses and then I'm going to share my heart with you today. Thank you for being here and being a part of this service today. Revelation 21, just verse 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things had passed away. God is here, and it was an easy yes when Scott Hanbury called me to come be with you today, because God is here. I feel at home in this room, because all my life I have feel like I've been in this room or connected to this church meeting in this place. I feel at home here because my wife Janice is with me today and her sister Dee is sitting with her. I feel at home because I've known Scott Hanbury his entire life and you know how old he is. (laughs) I have a vague memory that when he was born it was announced to our family gathered on Hillendale Drive because as the crow flies Scott Hanbury's family lived about 400 yards from where I spent the first 13 years of my life here in Hattiesburg. I feel at home because I love your pastor and we've served together. So I feel at home here because God is here first. At home here because my wife is here, my sister Dee. At home because Scott's here. I feel at home because Mark Taylor and Leisha are here. Doesn't it feel like home to have them back? I want you to know I also feel at home because Dewana is playing the piano and Jimmy is playing the drums and Jeremy's calling out instructions to the orchestra because y'all stole all three of them from First Baptist Church Gulfport and I'm not over it yet. We're keeping the light on for you. And you kids, more you kids, but all of you. I feel at home here because I remember standing right here on this second pew and playing handbells when I was in high school and and sitting behind a a puppet stage over here and and doing puppets and, and sitting up in the choir loft when Graham Smith was leading the music and he was telling everybody else, give me... Look, if anybody was asked, who, who remembers Graham Smith? Do you remember when Graham was minister of music here? So some of you do. I've never heard anybody sing louder in worship than Graham Smith or direct larger because this was his motion when he was trying to get us to sing. Do you remember that? Except for me. I'm on the back row up in the old music suite and he was trying to get sopranos to sing louder and altos to sing louder and he was going, Jimmy, shh, Jimmy. <laughs> it wasn't because I was off pitch. It was just I was singing louder than anybody else because I wanted to be like Graham. I wanted to sing loud like Graham. And don't we remember those who were here during the temple years? Don't we remember Kermit McGregor and we remember Harry Lucinay and Muggsy Davis and such a warmth of fellowship that was certainly social at some levels because it was family right here in this place. But y'all, God has always been here. 
Now, I know this because my mom loved to tell me stories when I was a teenager about growing up at Fifth Avenue. My mom was a part of Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. Her family had moved from Lumberton to Hattiesburg, and she was a, I think, eighth or ninth grade. But along about the 10th grade year, my grandfather, Pawpaw, he decided to move the family back to Lumberton, and my mom wanted to stay because she'd found a home in Hattiesburg. She'd found a home at Fifth Avenue, and she'd found a home in the Hattiesburg school system. And so she rented a room from a member of this church. And mom tells the story about the Sunday that y'all walked, those of you at Fifth Avenue, down Concord Street. I remember hearing those stories. And then as a teenager, my family came and joined, and we stood right here, and we have a picture. I can't remember if it was the summer of 73 or the summer of 74, but it's right there in the 70s. And This was a live place then because God is here. And then I remember coming on staff in 1993. Some of you probably were here then. I, my first job was singles and outreach, and then they made me married adults and discipleship, and they couldn't find a spot where I could stick. They kept trying to figure out where to plug me in. And I remember when the excitement came for many when the West Campus was open in August of 2000. And you were here, and many of you, and you, you remember how challenging it was. Those were difficult and challenging days, but God was blessing because God was still here. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. Evidence in our worship today and in your presence here and we rocked along through that first year. Dr. Register would come down here and preach a service, and then y'all would go into your Sunday school classes, and then he would hightail it out west. And I was doing married adults, and so I would, I would go out there, and then I would come here, and we would pass each other. I remember a Sunday meeting. Mr. George Taylor was large and in charge in that meeting, and I sat by Dean, and I think I'm sure Gary Shouse was in the meeting, and it was a circle of people in the parlor, and I don't remember who of you were in that meeting, but God bless you for being there. And I remember George Taylor saying something along the lines of, Dr. Register, what we really need is we need somebody to be a pastor here. And in that moment, y'all, it was like chill bumps for me. I didn't say anything, but I'm like, I could do that. And what thoughts were going through my mind was my mom and Fifth Avenue and all the stories about the nursery out under the tree and when it would rain and they'd put out garbage cans and pots to catch the water because the building was so old and dilapidated. But I remember the, the hope and the excitement of moving to this location and starting to worship in the Fellowship Hall, what is today the Fellowship Hall, and then, and then having some remembrance of this building being built and then being here as a high school student and then college student. And my kids, Kyle was married right here. Katie was baptized here. God is here. And I remember I wanted to say something to Dean, but the Holy Spirit just shut my mouth. It wouldn't let me say it. I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to say, hey, I'll, I'll stay at the East Campus, right? I'll stay here and I'll preach. Because I was, there was a part of me that was excited about taking another step in ministry, but there was another part of me that said, I know God is here, and I know God is not finished with here yet, and he's still not. I didn't know all that that would mean, but I was ready to at least have a conversation. One whole week went by, we're in staff meeting, 
and it was voiced at the table we need to make a decision who's going to lead here who's going to preach here and we didn't draw straws we didn't cast lots because about the time the question was asked I said I'll do it I'll stay and and I remember it was like one of those commercials with E.F. Hutton it was like all the air went out of the room and it was like everybody just kind of looked at me and I, I, I felt a little conspicuous in that moment. But that was my heart. I'd held it in for a whole week. I wanted to tell somebody, so I, I'm sure it came out kind of loud and blurted right in the moment. Later that day, Dr. Register stopped me in the hallway just right out here and he said, his words, he said, were you serious this morning when you said that you would stay and preach at the East Campus? And I said as a heart attack yeah I just felt the comfort about that because I feel the comfort with you and, and I feel that comfort even now and here in this place and I'm like yes I was very serious he said well let's talk about it and then I felt like David when he volunteered to go out against Goliath when Saul took him in his tent and put all his armor on him and all, everybody was trying to tell me what to do and it was great I loved it I loved hearing the instruction here and you may not remember this some, some of you who are here may know it some of you may not so the plan was that Dean was going to preach one Sunday a month and then they were going to let me preach the other three because they just weren't sure that I could that I could handle it and hey I wasn't either but I knew God could handle it and then I said I tell you what if I'm going to preach at the east campus I'm going to need somebody really good to lead worship and I know just the person to do that Mark Taylor I said Mark needs to be the guy and I look and I'm not you've known me long enough many of you have I, I'm, I'm not a pushy guy I'm more happy-go-lucky than I am pushy but when it came to push or shove on whether Mark Taylor was going to leave here or not and I was told we're not sure that we can make it work with Mark I said well if you can't make it work with Mark then I'm not your guy in the hallway right out here I said that I, I was a little shocked at those words I've told you that story haven't I and they said, oh, well, we'll make it work. I said, thank you. I think you can. I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. What a beautiful season that was for me. What a beautiful time it was. It wasn't easy. It's not easy today. It's not easy wherever you're in church, wherever you're a believer in this country today. It's not easy. Not easy anywhere in the world. The Lord never said it would be. But he said that he would always be with us. He said he would never leave us and never forsake us. And when he gave us the greatest commission he would ever give us, he said, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow. And I know many of you are, have been here Fifth Avenue. I saw you stand. God bless each and every one of you. I saw you coming in with your walkers and, and hobbling to get here today. God bless you for being here and being a part of what God continues to do here. I appreciate our mayor and, and of the comments that he made, the one that stood out to me the most. Did you hear it when he said it? Right at the beginning of his comments. Our mayor stood here, a grandson of a Baptist pastor and a son of a Baptist pastor. I didn't know that, Toby. That's awesome. And he looked at you and he said, with sincerity... He said, thank you for staying. Now, if I was planning, look, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I don't know what it'll be, look like at the 20-year, 
but I think the third time might be the charm so I'm going to plant a seed today I preached May 1 of 2011 I'm preaching May 2nd of 2021 I don't know what's happening in 2020 uh, 2031 but I volunteer in case Scott you're still here and and the message that day will be thank you for staying because that needs to be the message that you get today Thank you for staying because God put a call on your heart to be here. I remember when my family, dad was pastoring out at First Baptist Church Glendale and, and we were, he was going to give that up and focus at William Carey and teaching. And, and so our family started praying about where we're going to go. Well, dad had grown up at First Baptist Church Hattiesburg. Our family had been members at Main Street downtown. And look, the last one of the big three for us to try was Temple. And so I'm not sure all that went into that, but the Lord led us here and we joined. And what a beautiful relationship it's been for us over the years as a family. And so I, I commend you, those who've stayed from Fifth Avenue to Temple to East Campus to now Hardy Street. Four generations. It's beautiful when you can find a place where God wants you to stay and stick it out through good times and bad. Don't you love the story? Scott reminded me of this morning, Skeet Trigg. 60 years ago now, she was a part of Fifth Avenue, 60 plus, and they voted, and she voted for the church to be Hardy Street in 1951, and she lost. It became Temple. She stayed. 50 years later, you had another vote, and she got to vote again for the same church to have a, the name she wanted 50 years before. That's one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard, and she loved to tell it, and I love to retell it because she stayed. She didn't get mad because the church didn't take on the name that she wanted. She didn't get upset at that. She stayed for 50 more years. And as God would allow and provide, she had an opportunity to vote a second time in a Baptist church to name it what she thought it should be in the beginning. Is that not a beautiful story? So, so if there's something that's upsetting you today, if there's something here that and you're a member and you're a part of this church and you're upset about something, you better make sure that your sense of upsetness is from God and with purpose. And don't you leave because you're not happy about something. It's not about your happiness. It's not about our happiness. It's not. It's about a calling. And yes, you might say that Scott has a calling and Scott has a calling and Wes has a calling and Mark has a calling and I have a calling and Dewana has a calling to play the piano. Maybe, and the choir members have a calling to sing in the choir. And maybe you're wondering, what is my calling here? Your calling is not just to come sit here in this room and worship for an hour on Sunday morning. It's not enough. If you're going to be a member here, then there's some place for you to serve, some place for you to contribute to the disciple-making process of this church, to the nations and neighbors, the next generation. This is a church that needs you to be here and be counted on. Yes, being present and accounted for is huge. Giving of the resources that God blesses you with, that's important, obviously. But giving of yourself too in some way to serve and be engaged in the work of ministry. Scott mentioned the name Emmanuel. I want to move now to what I want to say to you beyond just the scope of the connection that I feel with you and the connection you have with God in this place. And as long as you want it, as long as you pray for it, as long as you work for it, 
God will continue to be here and use you, use this church. Listen, the DNA in this church, I marvel at it. The farther away I am from it in years of ministry, the more I come back and thinking, how can I make my current church more like Temple Baptist Church? And now this church, Hardy Street. How can my members of my church have the kind of passion that the Fifth Avenue members had for reaching the lost? And Scott mentioned the article in the newspaper. It's, it literally says Temple Baptist Church or Fifth Avenue has bought land on the western edge of the city. That's the actual language in the newspaper. The western edge of the city. And our mayor called it out. You stayed where you planted and many of you have stayed and it has not been easy but God is blessed and I'm continuing to believe that he will bless and part of why he's blessed is your DNA for wanting to reach people look I was going to talk about individuals I'm just going to cite one person so Catherine Waits Miss Catherine Waits God bless her and Edgar she would come up to me on a Sunday and tell me about people at Forest General Hospital that she had met up there giving away the Gideon Bibles and placing Gideon Bibles and she would stay up there for hours at a time looking for people that needed love and a hug and a prayer and a witness and a a ticket to heaven remember she used to give out the tickets to heaven one day she caught me in the welcome area and she said I've got somebody that's coming to church today I met him in the hospital this week they're middle aged and I said, oh, you mean my parents' age? And she looked at me and she like, No, I said, you mean my age? I said, you mean my age? Because I was like 38 or 39. I said, you mean my age? She said, looked at me. She said, no, I mean your parents' age. <laughs> she was called my parents' middle age at that time. So Catherine Waits is just one example of how many members of this church every day of the week are looking for people who are lost, looking for people that are not connected to a church and inviting them to Jesus and inviting them to be a part of the church. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But the beauty of this is it doesn't stop just with being together. You see, as as wonderful as being here and being with God here, God with us sends us. It's not just, there's a comma there in my title. It's not just about God being with us and now we go and do what we want to do for the next 167 hours and we come back and we experience the wonder of being with God in this place. God is with you always. Not just on Sunday morning when you're in this room to worship him. He's with you always and he wants to hear from you. He wants you to sing. Maybe not Scott, but he wants you to sing. He wants you to sing during the week when you're by yourself. Or my dad and I would drive all over South Mississippi for him to preach when I was a kid growing up. And we, he'd, all of a sudden in the car, he'd just start singing. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Man, we sang that song a thousand times driving somewhere. Or he keeps me singing. Or one, a hymn would come into his mind and he would just start singing. God likes for us to worship him not just one hour a week, but all of our waking hours that we have a sense of his presence with us and of worshiping him. Don't you change how solid you are in faith, how humble you are in spirit, how empowered you are by the presence of the spirit, how others focused you are as a church and a congregation, how Christ-centric everything you do is, and how gospel-driven to make disciples you have been. This is, as Scott said, not about the past. This is about celebrating that God's with us, but he's here now, and where is he leading next? God with us, yes, 
but God sends us. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus was saying this to his disciples. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've followed him in baptism, then you are one of his disciples. And if you are one of Jesus' disciples, then he is sending you the way that he was sent. Let's talk about how he was sent. Jesus was sent by God the Father to earth. Now, you may think, well, that's an oversimplification. Well, no, it's not. It's critically important to our salvation to understand that Jesus was sent to earth. He was sent to earth to be born of a virgin, to live and experience life exactly as we have. God, 100%. Flesh, man, 100%. To experience it like we did. To be able to go to the cross in our place, he had to be born a man. He had to be. It wouldn't have made any sense if he'd come in any other way. God, the Father, sent Jesus to earth. This is critical. It's the first step in our understanding of who he is and how he was sent. Secondly, God, the Father, sent Jesus to build his church. Matthew 16, 18. On this rock, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus said. Jesus came on, on mission sent to earth, sent to build the church, and he came to save. Do you see these three expressions of how Jesus was sent? It's important because Jesus said in John 20, 21, and don't, you won't forget the passage, right? Because what year is it? 2021, right. So don't forget John 20, 21. You need to come back to this passage. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, he was sent to earth. He was sent to build the church. He was sent to save. God the Father sent Jesus on mission. And every one of his disciples, he sends on mission like he was. See what the text says? As the Father has sent me, even so, even the same, I am now sending you. So what does this look like for us? First, that he sends you to a place. When Janice and I were living in Olive Branch and serving at First Baptist Olive Branch, I felt a sense of God sending me there. I did. Their pastor had been there 35 years, P.J. Scott and Miss Betty. He had served faithfully for all those years, and, and they needed somebody like me to come in behind him and encourage them and challenge them and try to move them forward. And so Janice and I went. Janice had the arguably the best teaching job she'd ever had because of her, the administration in that school and because of the teachers that she met. In fact, now these 11 plus years later, she periodically will say, you know, if anything happens to you, I'm moving back to Hernando's, what she says, because that's where her friends lived from that school all those years ago. God sent us there. And while we were there, it was a beautiful time. It really was. And then... First Baptist Church, Gulfport called, and, and, and I said, no, I said, no. I, they, they asked me, literally. Vice chairman of the committee called, and he said, are you interested? And I said, no, I'm not interested in trying to sell my house. I'm not interested in trying to move. I hadn't been here two, they called me. I hadn't even been there two years yet when they called me. I'm like, go away. And then another month goes by, and I crossed my second anniversary, and they called, the, the chairman called me again. And I've known these guys for 30, 40 years and they're calling me. Oh, we, we, are, you not, are you interested? No, I'm not interested. 
But I'm intrigued because I don't want to say no to God if God's sending. And I'm going to tell you the short of it is, God had me at one point to go, okay, find out how many people are churched in DeSoto County and find out how many people go to church in Harrison County. And I was shocked to find that research and discover that 66% of the people in DeSoto County identified with a local church and 66% of the people in Harrison County did not. And God said, okay, Jimmy, you're 50. Where do you want to serve for whatever time I'm going to leave you here on earth? Do you want to go where all the fish have already been caught or do you want to go where there's a whole bunch of fish that need to be caught? I said, send me to the coast, Lord. I'm ready. I was, that moment, I was ready to go. Took months. God opened the door, but he sent us to a place. He sent us to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, which I want you to know to pray for me because it's the greatest mission field in the state of Mississippi. Literally, there are twice as many people in the same proximity around First Baptist Church, Gulfport, as there are here in Hattiesburg. There's a great mission field out here, and it's growing every single day. Certainly every single year. There are people now in that next generation that have never been to church, never been to vacation Bible school, never been to Sunday school, never held a Bible, much less have one or reading one. They've never even held one before. Right here around where you are, the missions fields are white unto harvest. We just have to go out into the fields and if you can't go out, the scripture says, Jesus himself, pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest fields. There's work to be done at Hardy Street Baptist Church. There's work to be done at First Baptist. There's work to be done at every church. And it could be that your work is going out into the fields that are wide into harvest in this place. It could be, it could be that your work is to pray that God would send those people out. God the Father sent Jesus to earth and he sent you to this place. And by place, I mean geographically. What an amazing city. University of Southern Mississippi, William Carey University. Toby Barker did a great job leading our city forward. And you have invested, many of you, your whole life here in this city. And that's part of what motivated you to stay because you recognize that God sent you to this city. He sent you to this region of the world. And what a wonderful, beautiful place it is. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Has he sent you to the pine belt? He sent me in this season of life to the Gulf Coast. And it's a great mission field. Literally, wherever you are is your mission field. Wherever you live, wherever you stay, that's your mission field. Not only did God the Father send Jesus to earth, he sent him to build his church. And I cannot stress this enough with all my heart I believe that God will send you to the church that's right for you so if you're a guest here today if you're a former member I'm not speaking to you but if you're visiting here and trying to decide what church you want to be a part of in this city in this area 
I believe with all of my heart because I've seen it. I've experienced it personally. But I believe that if you will pray and seek the Lord, he will make clear where he wants you to be a member. And you need that sense of calling to a church. Maybe your job brought you here to this region. Maybe school and education brought you here to the Pine Belt. Whatever brought you here to this area to be a missionary, there is a church from which you need to launch the mission work that you're called to do. Which church is that? I believe that there's a church that's right for everybody where your gifts can be used and your needs can be met. Now, we don't always know what our needs are in the moment, but five months from now or five years from now or 15, you may have some need in your life, some crisis need, and you need the right person, but you don't know the need, much less who is going to help you through it. But if you will allow the Lord to lead you to the right church, then you'll be positioned for whatever need you have. The congregation will be able to come around you for that need, whatever the need is. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. We help one another. But it doesn't stop with what we need. It stops with using the gifting that God has given us to accomplish the mission he sent us for. And there's a church that's right for you where your gift can be used. If you can't play an instrument... There are other things for you to do here. If you can't play this instrument, then there are other places for you to serve. If you can't play Dewana's instrument, you, there are places that you can serve. If you can't preach, that's great. We only need one, really, or somebody to fill in when he's not here. Thank you, Scott Alexander. So the, the reality is there's a church where your gifts are going to fit just perfectly. And I want you to know you're not wise enough to figure that out by yourself. And until you stop and say, Lord, where do you want me to be connected to a body of believers and wait on him to tell you, then you're going to be like so many today who get to this church and then they change something that you went there because you liked it and then you say, well, I can't stay there because I don't like it. Or I went there because of the pastor. Or I went there because of the music. Or I went there because there was this certain thing that they had that I really liked and they stopped doing it. I heard a story again this week about somebody that joined First Gulfport before I got there and the minute they stopped the program, they left and went to another church that had that program. Now, if God leads you to do that, that's fine. But don't just hop and skip around to churches. And by judging by how many of you stood a while ago, oh my goodness, I'm preaching to the choir this direction today because you've not done that. But look, it's not about just staying here because you're comfortable here. It's not about staying here because you've invested your life here from Fifth Avenue and all the way to the present. Can that be a factor? Sure. You need to continue to be here because God is here and because God has dictated for you to be here. Because what did Jesus say in John 20, 21? As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Don't just get locked in and say, well, this is where I've always been. Hello, that's so humdrum. That's boring. There is nothing boring about God. There's nothing boring about the power of the Holy Spirit working in a body of believers to worship God and to serve God the community don't just stay here because you've always been here or your mom and them were here you stay here because God continues to send you back here week after week after week to be a part of building the church God sent Jesus to the earth he sent Jesus to build the church he sends you to a place he sends you to a church and what else did he send Jesus to do to save 
to save the lost, to reach the lost. Years ago, I, was, I talked to Dad. I said, hey, Dad, I said, uh, I'm getting ready to do a deacon's retreat. My first one at First Baptist Church, Gulfport. I got to have the right speaker. And I need you to answer a couple of questions for me before I ask you, invite you to come be our deacon retreat leader. <laughs> the shoe was on the other foot, right? Because I had Dad as a student at New Orleans, but I also had him as a student at William Carey. So the, the shoe was on the other foot. And I was like, I got a couple of questions, Dad. And I said this to my dad, and those of you who know him know that this was very difficult for him. Use the fewest words possible. Thank you, Mark. Use the fewest words possible. He stopped for a minute. I said, okay. I said, Dad, what is the role of the deacon? And he said, to be an extension of the pastoral ministry. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Good answer, right answer. I said, I have a second question. I said, what is the purpose of the church? And Dad said, to reach the lost. He was hired. It was one of the best Dickens retreat I've ever been on. It was amazing because he's amazing. The purpose of a church is to reach the lost. Now, what do we do with those we reached? We make them disciples. Jesus said, go therefore to all the nations. Go therefore to all nations of the world and make disciples. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's lost people becoming saved people are baptized. And then he said, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's making them a disciple. We don't just baptize people and then walk away from them. We help them know how to obey. We help them know how to live sent. We help them know their place and know their church and know how to reach other people like them who were, once were lost. Jesus said in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega who is and who was and who is to come the almighty who is Jesus is he always is he is the A to Z the beginning and the end Robert J. Morgan in his book he shall be called wrote this about Jesus. Jesus, he said, is the source of our salvation and the destination of our dreams. He is the first cause and the last word. He is the origin of creation and the terminus of time. He reigns from the vanishing point to the vanishing point. From past to future, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. Jesus is right now. He is the same. He is today. He is who he always has been and who he always will be. Jesus is the great I am because he is. He was not only at the beginning of the time, he'll be here at the end of the age. He existed before time began. He'll be here after time ends. Jesus was present at your birth. He will be there when you transition from this life to the next. And he's there for every day of your life. And this verse, Revelation 1-8, ends with the word almighty. And I don't know how I missed this for so many years. It's made up of two Greek words. One of them means strength and force and power and might. Guess which part of the word is that? Mighty. 
And somehow I missed this. And honestly, it was this morning. It was this morning I was looking over my notes and went, oh, well, that makes sense. Almighty. Do you know the word in the Greek that we have translated English for the word all, now making this compound word almighty? Means the individual and the collective. Not one or the other, but all. You get it? Almighty. Yes, we understand omnipotence, right? God is all-powerful, but he's all-powerful as it relates to me and you, as it relates to us and our understanding of him and his expression lived out in us. He is almighty when it comes to you and you and you. He's almighty when it comes to all of us together, and he's almighty when it comes to this church. Whatever he wants to do in this place, he's going to do it because he is almighty, and he's the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Jesus not only is, he was. Listen to Revelation 21, verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. Jesus was. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers and the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Listen to the words from Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And y'all, this dynamic found in Revelation 1.8, Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, feeds so well to understanding, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you, because he is the Almighty who is, who was, and who is to come. He is not changing what we read in John 20, 21. This has been his modus operandi from vanishing point to vanishing point. We're not going to change him. And he is not going to change for us. Jesus was and always has been. And we learn in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love this last phrase from right before the word almighty in Revelation 1, 8, who is to come. Who is to come? Jesus is to come. We work till Jesus comes. And we should live every day, not just Sundays for one hour, but every single day, like he could come back today. But I've been more motivated in life and ministry in recent months by recognizing that I'm coming up on another birthday that I, I wish was lower numbers than it's going to be. But that's okay, because the Lord has waited. And one of my prayers is, Lord, Lord, don't take me yet. And now I'll pray, Lord, come back and get everybody. I'm okay with that. But I'm not ready to go yet. Well, for one thing, Gina says she's got to go first, so there's that. But the other part of that is I don't want the Lord to take me yet because there's more people I want an opportunity to reach. There's more people I want an opportunity to make disciples of, to help find the path to the Lord that I'm on and that you are on. 
And I hope you have that same kind of passion of recognizing that he could come at any minute and it should motivate you and I to talk to more and more people. Chapter 22 of Revelation. Behold, I'm coming soon and bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is, Jesus was, Jesus is to come, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who was sent and the one who sends you. Jesus is the one who is doing the sending. He is the Almighty, the one who will never leave us and never forsake us. The one who said, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me in a moment of reflection. What a beautiful day this is to celebrate an anniversary. But every anniversary and every day should be a celebration of who God is and what God has done and is doing because he's not through with you. He is not through with this church. And I love the fact, and Scott brought it up, but I had it in my notes. What could you and I have done if we were 10 years old? That's how old I was when Scott was born. What could we do when we were 10 years old if we had the wisdom of a 114-year-old? Because you see, that's what you have, Hardy Street Baptist Church. You have the new. You have a new name. You have new paint. You have new appointments in the building. You have new people, always new people. You have new leadership. It's a new day. But the Lord is the same. And he wants you to live sent in the pine belt he wants you to live sent at this church if you're a member or wherever you are plugged in to be there to be counted on to find your place of helping contribute to the mission of that church I had this in my notes and I overlooked it so it's appropriate now Hardy Street Baptist Church is the name of a battleship not a cruise ship you see battleships are put into the ocean to either defend or defeat. And there are times when we defend the gospel apologetically to share it with other people. And there are times that through prayer and our faith, we defeat the enemy and his strongholds in our life or those around us or our congregation or our city. Cruise ships are designed just to take care of paying customers and put them at ease and cause them to gain weight and show them a good time. A church is not a cruise ship. So don't treat it like one. It's more like a battleship. And on a cruise ship, you have crew and paying customer. On a battleship, you have soldiers who respond to their commanding officer and who have a very specific role I performed a wedding just weeks ago now and I did premarital counseling with the young man and his bride to be on zoom because he's in Norfolk Virginia and I asked him I said well what do you do there in the Navy and he said I'm stationed on the Gerald Ford I said what is your job on the Gerald Ford 
He said, I'm an aviation fuel specialist. I went, oh my, tell me about that. And he did. His job on the aircraft carrier is to make sure that the fuel is ready to go for every plane. He's an aviation fuel specialist. What are you here at Hardy Street Baptist Church? There's only one pianist. There's only one drummer. There's only one pastor and only one worship pastor. Even Marshall has a job. Marshall Ralston, who has a birthday tomorrow, is an assistant to Wes Dykes. He helps him on Sunday mornings with get things ready for media. If Marshall has a job, what's yours? What are you doing on the battleship we know as Hardy Street Baptist Church? If you're seeking a church home, I commend this one to you. My mama joined here three different times when she was in high school, when I was in high school, and when my kids were in high school. Maybe the Lord just wants you to join once. And maybe today's the day he wants you to make that decision. Let him guide you to that. And if he's moving you that way, there are going to be encouragers waiting and pastors here at the front. They'll help you make that decision and document your information and help you know what your next steps are as a member here. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Somehow you made it into this room today. There's no better place. There's no better time than right now to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Father, I thank you so much for this congregation, for this moment in time to celebrate what you've done here because so many have been so faithful for so long. And Lord, it doesn't end because your faithfulness extends beyond ours, beyond what we can see, past and future. But thanks be to God, it is now because Jesus is and your faithfulness is present and available in this place to these people on their mission for you to reach the lost and to make disciples. Lord, help them. Help them in the work that you've called them to right here in this beautiful place. And Father, draw those to you right now who are in this room who need to respond. Lord, may they respond by faith to trust you for membership, for salvation, for something you've called them to do this morning. Make it clear and give them wisdom and strength and motivation to move for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.